0: Guys, I am so happy to have you listening to this episode of the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast because I was not kidding when I said we have a powerful lineup of strong leaders to help us through conflict resolution this month. I am so happy that we have Marriage Helper CEO Kimberly Holmes today to talk with us about the most important elements in marriage and in marriage conflict. Marriage Helper has been featured on Good Morning America, Fox Business, The Dave Ramsey Show, Women's Day, The Washington Times, and more. They are killing it out there with marriage research for anybody and everybody. And I was recently listening to an awesome episode that they did on extramarital affairs as well, and I've been just digging into their research on this at large too. Unfortunately, there seems to be a surge in this, and I really am glad that our audience is not just fine-tuned looking only at Enneagram, but one of the commitments I've made in doing this podcast was to integrate my previous and current marriage research with the Enneagram. So I'm so happy Kimberly's joining us today to make sure that we are just not missing anything. So, And you know, as a seven, I hate FOMO. So yes, we are getting it all this month and all all year long as we walk through so many parts of our marriages, our families, our lives, and our legacies. So super happy to have her on in just a few moments. I also wanna remind you that last week we had Bee Chestnut on to talk about the wonderful ways we can balance our instincts. And then we also have had our ongoing deep dives into every single type in marriage. So if you are a podcast lover, don't forget to dig into these as well as just the fun episode we recently did on Love is Blind where we went through season two and we just tried to gracefully as best as we could analyze and uh, bring a little bit of redemption to everybody because we all make mistakes. We all have histories that make us act out of the ways we do but let's also be empowered that we can move forward in health and we're not stuck in our victimization. So I want everyone listening to remember that, that as much as we can lament together, as much as we can really have to often give that over to God and just release, let's remember that we have choices today. So let's be in that spirit as we listen to what Kimberly has to share with us. You know you can grab all of our freebies at anygramandmarriage.com, all of our resources on deep dives for your types, and you know you can also grab so many things from Kimberly's website. She's going to tell us about it, but I want to let you know that they have an amazing mini course on how to get your spouse to fall back in love with you. So she'll tell you more. Let's dig in and talk with her about conflict and marriage. Kimberly, I'm so happy to have you on the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: I am so glad to be with you, Krista. This is going to be fun. I can already tell.
0: Yes. And you know what's awesome is even though this is conflict month, we are somehow making it fun, right? That's right. Conflict doesn't always have to be bad. It's can <laughs> be very healthy. Exactly. And I think we're going to understand even more about this beautiful perspective you have as you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your Enneagram types to you and your husband.
1: Yes. So fun. So my name is Kimberly Holmes. I am part of an organization called Marriage Helper and love the work that we're doing there. We work with marriages, most of which are in crisis to help them save their marriage. So as you can imagine, lots of conflict that we deal yes. with, lots of it and, and helping people understand how to navigate that and, and all the things that I'm sure we'll get into. But when it comes to Enneagram, so I, I have taken several tests. Yeah, My husband has taken at least one, maybe a couple yeah. and, it's funny because mine always come out that I'm a three or an eight. And then my husband took a test probably about a year ago now. And it said he was a three. And I'm like, there's not a way you're a three. Like there's absolutely no way you're a three. So I had him take it again and it came out three or eight. And I said, you've got to be an eight. I'm probably more a three. He's definitely more an eight than, than a three. So that's where, that's where we are from what I know. And I was telling you before, I'm sure you, I know that, you know, way more about Enneagram than I do, but um, yeah, like the whole challenger thing about an eight is for sure. For sure. My husband.
0: Oh, that's so cool because that's a beautiful pairing. And obviously they all are, but it's a very strong pairing, whether you're both threes (gasps) or both eights, or like Mm -hmm. you said, more of probably a three, eight. It's, I have an image, the artist who created our glow guides for the pairing. She has a rocket launching for this pairing with fire behind <laughs>
1: yes, you guys. are. That big- is it. That is it. <laughs> if we had an icon for our marriage. That would be it. And, you know, we've been 11, we just celebrated 11 years now of marriage. And so especially the first, especially the first two, but probably, to, you know, at least the first five we had a lot of conflict. We actually still have a lot of conflict, but we figured out how to deal with it in a more healthy way. But in the beginning, oh my gosh, like some of our fights would be world war three. And I'm just talking about playing monopoly. It was intense.
0: Yes, that is. Yeah. That's a great word for the pairing intense. And I love how we're going to talk about research today with you guys. This is just so healthy for people to hear. Conflict does not have to be a bad thing because we're, we're dialoguing and we're addressing things. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know that's what you guys talk about at marriage helper. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. It is. And in fact, when, when you look at the research
1: about it, especially the research that Gottman has done from the university of Washington, He says that 69% of things that couples have conflict about are never going to be resolved. Mm -hmm. Which if you think about that, it's like, oh, that's maybe not good. (laughs) However, the flip side of that says that it's normal. Like 69% of the things that we fight about or disagree about aren't things that we have to figure out a solution to. They're instead things we have to learn. How do we just accept the differences or compromise on a way to move forward. And that's okay because you can still have
0: amazing marriages, even when there's conflict. Which is so beautiful for people to hear because that's the main thing we want to give on this podcast is hope. Yes, we want information but i think that what and i'm a thinking type so i love i literally love information <laughs> but yes. most people want experiences on this podcast of please give me hope because life mm. is hard sometimes yeah. and i just need to hear that i'm not alone mm-hmm. and that we're going to be okay if we keep doing our best and that's really yes. you know one of the most important things about our learning from you today um and before we get into even more tools and tips which i'm loving already tell us a little bit about how you and your hubby met Yes. So we actually met
1: when I first met when I was three and he was five. No way. And yes way. We, we were at the same church together and my dad was actually the pastor of that church um, and his family just kind of came. But here's what's funny. So his mom would come over to help my mom do some things when, when we were those ages. And I remember playing with him. I remember... And we fought then. Talk about conflict. I remember he was in my closet. Like he went into my closet to get my toys out and every toy he would bring out to play with, I would take from him and tell him he could not play with it. And <laughs> Oh my
0: gosh. That's
1: crazy. And, yes. And so, and then there was another time that they came over and we were playing outside and I had one of those little yellow and red Fisher price cars.
0: Yeah. And
1: I didn't want him to play in it, but he (laughs) was just dead set that that's what he was going to do. So he got in the little car, he started doing his little legs like Fred Flintstone. I (laughs) threw myself on top of the roof and started screaming and kicking, telling him he couldn't do it. He needed to get out. So our, our relationship started (laughs) then with conflict. I don't know why we thought it would be any different, but it was cute because that, that car we actually used in our wedding, the same one. And, um, my next, Nephew took our rings down it. He was our ring bearer and took the little car in it. So, and we still have it. Our kids played with it so precious.
0: (laughs) That is so precious. And you guys are like, we have found that this spontaneous combustion, it works. And we love the excitement. We love the thrill. We love the challenge. We love digging in and drives us crazy too. But however, it's uh, that's your love story. It's adorable. And then later, I presume you did get connected in a different way. Yes. Yes. We, so we weren't
1: forever friends since we were three and five, his family moved away my family moved away from the the place we originally lived. And then we ended up reconnecting in college. And so that's how we got reconnected and started dating. And then the rest is history.
0: Oh, that is so fun. I love the uniqueness of each story. And I know you're in the field, so you love it too, but that's a really unique, beautiful story. So, um, but you bring us to a really important point about that beginning of a relationship. So today we have you on to give us some tips through the stages of relationships. And I know we both are familiar with Sternberg's triangle. So let's have you tell everybody a little bit about how relationships start and, and just these different elements, if that's okay.
1: Yeah. Well, before I get into the the Sternberg's triangulation of love, I'll start by teaching real quick on one of the things that we talk about at Marriage Helper, which is called the love path. And it's kind of the process of how people fall in love.
0: Ooh. And so
1: it is four stages. And the first stage of that is what we call attraction, because it's typically when we are attracted to something that we decide we want to move closer. Mm-hmm. And so attraction is comprised of four areas. It is physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. We call it the pies of attraction. So it kind of gives people a framework that they can go off of. And in all of those ways, so physical tends to be what people think most of, but it's actually the intellectual, the emotional, the spiritual attraction that is more of a long lasting, committed type of attraction that can take you to the 50, 60, 70 years of marriage. Yeah. So all of those things we, we notice when we're dating I mean, physically that's part of it, but intellectually we're, we're looking for someone that we love to carry on a conversation with, that we have enough shared interests, but also enough differences that we find each other fascinating Mm -hmm. and want to be around each other. Mm -hmm. And then emotional attraction, if it were to ask a question, it would say, do I evoke emotions within this person they enjoy feeling? And do they evoke emotions within me that I enjoy feeling? Mm -hmm. So I remember when my husband and I were dating, Mm -hmm. he was the quintessential southern gentleman. So we live just outside of Nashville now, but we 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 grew up in the south. And so he would open my doors for me, he would send me flowers, and we dated long distance. So we really only saw each other every other weekend for the year that we dated. So we only saw each other probably 26 times, but we talked all the time. All the time, like hours. You know, every night we would just talk about our day, about what was happening, what we were interested in. And so we really had that intellectual attraction to each other, even that emotional attraction, because we were talking like he was listening to me, caring about what I was going through. And that evoked emotions within me I enjoyed feeling. And then spiritually, it doesn't just have to do with the same faith, although that is a huge part of it, but it really has to do with does this person share? the same set of beliefs and values I do. And even if they're not always the same, do we at least share the core that are most important to each of us? Because it's difficult to have a long-term relationship with someone who just really differs on core beliefs that you that are in, intensely important to you. Mm-hmm. And so those are the four things that bring us to want to move closer to someone else. And they continue to be important however long you're in a relationship with someone. So it's not just important for that dating phase. It's important for when you're married a year, 10 years, 20, 50, 70 attraction Mm -hmm. continues to be important. Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's Mm -hmm. the first step, the first stage. And then the other three I'll go through just super quickly after attraction, it goes into acceptance, which at its core, that stage is all about, do I accept this other person as they are right now without trying to change them? Mm -hmm. because it is is only when both people in the relationship Mm -hmm. really feel like they're accepted for who they are, that there's not some kind of condition or string tied to the relationship that they feel secure. Mm -hmm. And then that moves us into the third stage, which is attachment, which is all about, will you be there for me when I need you bottom line? Mm -hmm. And then it moves to the fourth and final stage, which again, we never complete the path. It's a path we're always on, But the fourth stage is aspiration, which is how are we building a shared dream together, moving towards shared values, shared interests that keep us focused on the future. When life tries to pull us apart, it'll give us a vision to keep looking towards for our marriage. So that that is how people fall and stay in love. But then I'm sure we'll get into next about, well, what is
0: love? Yes. I love that. You just delineated that for us. And we were talking in late January, early February about some of these stages but what's beautiful is we also talk a lot about how, when on this podcast, we mentioned that when you find who you are and who you're meant to be, and you start flowing together with your attraction and, and you start mm-hmm. attaching and, and really, obviously, like you said, those are so important. We start to glow or shine together in the world with our shared light because we now have a shared mission. So I don't think there's anything more important to either your group or mine than the mission because we do want people to be refreshed, refueled to be in love, but to be able to have a shared mission of doing goodness in the world is the ultimate thing, right? Yes, yes, 100%. So I love that. And then I, I want to just add in really quick before we define love for those listening who are maybe not on the same page spiritually with their spouse, um, mm-hmm. that it's an important place to look. And we're going to be exploring that in April on this podcast for the entire month. But, but I really just want to, to let, you know, we see you and hear you. If you're mm-hmm. feeling like, ah, one of these areas, that one or another one was a sticking point. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that you're going to be covering that in April. I'm going to listen in. So yay. So thank you. So tell us about love and what that's all about. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. Well, when Sternberg did his research on love, he actually was one of the first that I know of to actually say, well, what is it? Because a lot of people say it's a, it's a feeling, right? It's just, I either feel in love or I don't. Well, actually there are three components of love Mm -hmm. and the three of them are intimacy, passion, and commitment. Mm-hmm. And so intimacy, if we were to break that down, it really is, if you say it slower than you have it, it's that into me, see, mm-hmm. it is yeah. that best friendship. It is that I feel like I can take down every wall that I have and be fully myself with you mm-hmm. and that you will accept me for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes. That is this, this intimacy. We crave it. We crave the intimacy part is not necessarily sexual. That's what gets into in the more of the passion part, but intimacy can have a sexual component to it as well. Mm -hmm. The next one is passion. And when we talk about passion, it is a craving for oneness. Mm -hmm. So again, that part of it doesn't just have to be sexual either. It can simply be, I remember when um, in 2014, I went on a Europe trip with one of my girlfriends And when we were in Paris and it was nighttime and I was looking at the Eiffel Tower and it was just sparkling, like the lights on it were, Mm. were sparkling and it looked like diamonds. I was just looking at it and craving to have my husband with me. It's this, and that's what this passion is. It's this, I want you to experience life with me. And I want to experience with you when you're gone. I miss you. Mm. You're a part of me and I want you back. That's yeah. what this this passion is. You're and then this com-
0: my husband. <laughs> right? I'm like he may just be down the hall, but I want him here right now. <laughs> He's not here right now. <laughs> oh, no, go yes. ahead. I love it.
1: But that that's it. And then commitment, this is a decision mm-hmm. to do what is best for the long-term securement of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So, when you look at all of those three together, those are the three things that make up love. It is a person that you want to share life with, that you have a passion to be with, and that you decide to do what it takes to continue the relationship no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. And that is what love is. And so when you, you when you actually look at it, it makes a, it, it kind of makes a tri- Well, it does make a triangle, mm-hmm. but you can graph people on this. So there's a, an assessment that someone can take to see where they fall and how how much intimacy they feel with their spouse, how much passion they feel and how committed they feel. And you can begin to see where people are strong in this. They may have super high levels of intimacy, but low levels of commitment. And then it can help you start to see where people need to work on things in order to grow their love. Because if they're low in one area, like commitment, but high in some of the other two, then he actually breaks it down into nine different types of love, which I cannot recall all of them off the top of my head. But I do know when you have all three of them, it's called consummate love. And you're never going to have all three of them be at the highest at one time like that. If you do, it's for a short period of time, but because life is stressful and relationships take work, you're typically going to ebb and flow in some of those. But the key is instead of just saying, I don't feel like I love them anymore mm-hmm. to look at this, this, this triangle and say, well, where is it that we just need to double down? Because we can fall back in love when we focus on these three things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And I think that's the starting point for us saying, what can we do with this information? You're, you're telling Mm -hmm. us when we know it um, already, you said, and I love it. You said, Hey, it's not going to be perfect, but how do you think Mm -hmm. couples can really work with it? Whether they take the assessment or not. If they just have a sense for, I, I'm really high over here in commitment, but I have no passion or very little, mm-hmm. or I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm afraid of being intimate. How do you yeah. recommend people work through this?
1: Yeah, that is a great question. And people, I mean, people don't have, they can't, they could, they could go to Google and try and find this triangulation of love and take the assessment. But even just what we've talked about, people are probably going to start realizing just from that. I don't feel passion. I don't mm-hmm. feel intimacy. Yeah. The best thing that you can do to start working on it in the ideal scenario is that you could have an honest conversation with your spouse about where both of you are, Mm -hmm. but where both of you fall on this triangle and then commit to each other of ways to work together. So being able to say, you know, I just haven't felt the same passion. What can we start doing of more together. Do, you know, should we take a weekend away to just try and rekindle that passion between Mm -hmm. the two of us? Or if it's intimacy or feeling low on saying, you know, let's take time like 30 minutes at the end of every day, just to talk to each other about our day Mm -hmm. and not just share the facts of what happened, but really share our feelings because Mm -hmm. that's when we start to feel vulnerable or more vulnerable about things. And Mm so, or even with, with commitment, I mean, saying, you know, what, maybe I'm not feeling as committed. I've started to wonder what life would be like if it was different or if I was with someone else or things like that. Um, That can be a hard conversation to have with your spouse. And I don't know, I would say that to your spouse, Um, especially not at the beginning of this road of of trying to put this back together. But if you're realizing that about yourself, then it really is you making a commitment to yourself of, I'm not going to allow myself to fantasize of how things could be otherwise. Instead, I'm going to put more commitment into this and you can put more commitment into it by doing more to tie yourself to your spouse. So there's a different study about commitment that was done by, oh my gosh, his name has just left me, but I know it starts with an R. Maybe I'll think of it in a minute, but he actually identified 10, 10 different ways that couples can stay committed and be more committed in a relationship. And so when you actually have more, Bank, you know, like putting your finances together, that's more ways to stay committed. Mm -hmm. Having children, more ways to stay committed, like having more shared friends, being a part of a church together or having, you know, that social interaction that you do together. All of those are ways that you actually increase your commitment because you're doing more as a couple and more of your social identity is being tied to that. So Mm -hmm. ideally you'd be able to start with that. But if you're not in a situation where you feel like you can have those honest conversations with your spouse, it's just not there yet. Then maybe you just start on your own saying, you know what, I'm going to just make it a, make it a commitment that Mm -hmm. for 20 minutes at the end of each night, I'm just going to ask my husband or ask my wife, what was your day like? Tell me about that situation at work or tell me what you did with the
0: kids today. And you just start doing those things on your own first. I love that. And I love how tangible that is that listeners can start today with that. Just taking, I know I started my day with that, taking some time to call my husband. He's been getting up earlier now and we used to do mornings every day together, but now I pretty much always call him instead so that we can have some of his commute to do our chat that we used yeah. to do. And now he has an extra day off work. So he mm. likes that better because he likes to have three days off. Um, and I really, I've been adjusting to it, but that's one of the ways we've kept our commitment is those four days can feel very strange. So one mm. night during that time, he's told me, I really don't want you to see clients because like, that's a rare window for us when our kids are all busy. So I've shifted. And then, um, Um, he's shifted by letting me sleep in, but now I do a quick phone call. So it's just finding those little things or a nightly walk where you can let your spouse tell you about their day. And I love that you said that because those are the things that make us really stay connected and committed is I know what you're doing. I'm not a stranger to you. We don't just have a date night where we watch a movie and we go to bed or we have sex and now we don't talk. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really saying I'm your friend. Yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely. Those are perfect examples, too, to give to give the listeners even further ideas. yeah, we can do. I mean, really, a lot of times, it is a lot of these simple things, yeah, that make the biggest difference. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. thank you for reminding us of that. And I love the examples you've been sharing from your marriage too, at just different seasons, how it looks different. Because Mm -hmm. I think that's so important for people to realize, like, whereas in one season, it might be super easy to have all three of these be pretty high. There Mm -hmm. are other seasons where it can be next to impossible to do it. And you have to really work harder. Would you agree?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we, you know, the seasons that we've experienced as compared to a lot of other marriages, it's going to be even way different, but I would say probably our hardest season so far has been the young kids. Well, is that true? There was a season where um, my husband was in the military when we first married. And so we were actually separated for a year. That was not the hardest season. Mm -hmm. It was when he came home after being separated for a year, that was an incredibly difficult season because you get used to doing life your own way, being able to set your own schedule And, and so reintegrating together was always our hardest thing in the military. Mm -hmm. So that was probably, probably our hardest seasons. And then, um, you know, young kids, that's gosh, that's a hard season.
0: (laughs) (laughs) it is. And I love that you brought up military couples. I do have Mara on my team does exclusive work with military couples, but Mm. not many do. And I love that we've never had that on this podcast. So thank you for speaking out to this issue, which I know some of our listeners are from military families and thank you and your husband for serving too. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Yes, absolutely. And I really also want to highlight, as many of our listeners are in the age with young children, we mm. feel you. And I usually try to like tell them, no, it's harder with teenagers. I'm horrible. <laughs> but, like I'm the wait, person. it gets like, worse. <laughs> if you've ever seen mom's night out, it's one of my favorite scenes where she like freaks out oh. the couple in the car and she's like, it's gonna be awful. Um <laughs> And they're like on their honeymoon and they're just like, what is this crazy woman doing? But she has little kids. And then to my point, I am trying to prepare my audience for teen years so that they're ready.
1: Right. Well, you know, and that's helpful too, because how many times have people entered into marriage Mm -hmm. thinking It's gonna be great. Like, it's gonna be the never ending honeymoon. It's gonna be being married to my best friend. It's gonna be like having a sleepover every night. That's what I I remember that. Me too. Like, having a sleepover every night. And, but no one's told you. No, it gets hard. You're gonna like see and hear things that you never thought you would. But so there is hope and help in just telling people it's, it might be difficult and here's some things to expect. Just so you're prepared,
0: right? But we're both saying we're doing this and it's worthy. It's a beautiful, worthy legacy we're creating. And we're climbing over these traumas and issues that we've all just differently experienced, as you said. And it's really neat to see the triangle come back and form better when we take these tips on and we're doing well because we take the tips on. And I think that's why you love this, um, this organization marriage helper, because Mm -hmm. you're able to really help people to get back to health, even if they're going through one of those stages. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So when a couple leans hard in one area, you're saying, please be intentional. Being intentional is one of the greatest things you can do. Is there Mm -hmm. anything else that you want to share with our audience about how they can work through conflict within this framework or even outside of it that you just love to share?
1: Mm, Yes. The first thing I typically want to push in on when people are talking about conflict is before you say anything. And this is hard for me because I am a very vocal person and I'm typically a person who, when I get upset or angry or irritated, I want to verbalize it because I also kind of process verbally. Mm -hmm. But the best thing you can do when you get upset, irritated, angry, when you're in conflict is to take a step back and just self-reflect. What is the core of what I'm feeling right now? What is my core need? There's been so many times I'll, I'll even share this example. So back in November, I broke my foot Mm. and it was terrible. I broke it on my birthday.
0: Oh, sorry.
1: (laughs) But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is I'm a very active person. Typically, Mm. like I love running and actually broke my foot running. I love walking. I I just love being active. And so it was very hard for me to not be able to walk on it and be on a knee scooter And I noticed that I started getting really irritated with Rob way more. Mm -hmm. And part of it was because I wasn't able to do my half of the chores around the house, at least not as easily. And so when I saw they weren't getting done, at least, you know, how I would typically get them done, I would typically blame it on him. And so it would come out with me saying, I need more help. You need to do more. Like, I can't do all of this stuff. But when I, and it led to a lot of conflict because he was saying, you're not even appreciating what I am doing. You're not seeing the things that, that I'm having to take care of because you can't. Mm-hmm. And so when I really sat back and reflected, why am I so irritated? I really realized it was it, like, some of it was because there was all this stuff and I felt like I couldn't be a part of it,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: it really was that I felt I was depressed I was insanely depressed. Yeah. And what I needed more than anything was Rob to just sit with me on the couch and hug me. Yeah. That was really what I needed. And when I took that time to reflect, then the conversation was different. Then it was Rob, can you just take 30 minutes to just sit with me right now? Because I am struggling. Mm -hmm. And that's such a different conversation. Mm -hmm. Did we still need to figure out what to do with the chores? Yes. But once you connect with what you really need, it helps you deal with the quote unquote conflict of what you're struggling with agreeing on or trying to compromise on. It helps you deal with that better when you start from that place of
0: let's connect emotionally first. Mm. Wow. I cannot believe how important that was that you just said, especially as an Enneagram three. You just gave me so much hope. I've already had a session today where I like literally once again told somebody, <laughs> sometimes I do uh, something very strange, which is troubleshooting and like predicting bad. And so I was <laughs> like, everyone's now like, I'm never going to see this woman, but what I, <laughs> what I do is I'm like, typically threes can't do what you just said. <laughs> and mm-hmm. So I'm literally loving that you broke a barrier for us, Kimberly. <laughs> You've reinstilled hope that instead of what I always say, because I'm trying to protect a three in marriage is typically your three is going to be harsh truth telling in their view mm-hmm. of the truth. And they're going to have to come around later to seek forgiveness because mm-hmm. they're, they're going to spew out something that later they will feel bad about, but you're going to have yeah. to wait. So I, Typically, telling yeah. spouses they're going to come back and they're very soft underneath, but you're going to yeah. need to wait. And you just told us that you have not saying you're perfect or you do it perfectly every time, but yeah. this is a beautiful tool to just that you can any type, whether three sevens and eights are types, and your husband are assertive and aggressive types. So mm-hmm. we tend to have a harder time when something takes us down, uh, and mm-hmm. also when we're being challenged. So it just makes us realize and have empathy for you. When we realize this is your way of functioning in the world. And when it's taken away, it's scary. But Mm -hmm. what you just told us was with reflection and with that pause, Mm -hmm. you were able to ask for the true emotional need before you got harsh. Is that true? Well, But it was only because I started for several weeks with the harsh and when
1: that wasn't working and I was still frustrated and I'm like, this, like, this isn't the real thing. So part of the reason I was able to even stop and say, this isn't the real thing is because I was aware through my training and what I do, right? Like I need to be self, like I need to self reflect and ask myself what I really need. And so it's having the tools, like what you teach people and what we teach people, and then actually implementing those tools (laughs) that you then can start to make a change in your behavior. But you're right. Like it, even and the other part of it, which I, we need to touch on as well is the different personality styles or the different Enneagram numbers are all going to handle conflict differently. And so for me and my husband, he, I am more likely to approach conflict than he is. Mm-hmm. he is more likely to kind of wait or, or if I touch his stuff, that is what will get him. On. <laughs> that is what he will be like, why you are not supposed to touch. It. <laughs> um, yes, that's so eight. Right. But relationally, I'm going to be one of, I will be the first one typically to, to go into conflict with that. Mm-hmm. And so once we're in conflict, like neither of us are going to run from it, we're going to hatch it out oh, yeah. until we come to the other side. Mm-hmm. but then there's those other people who they're not going to address the conflict to begin with, because they're like, maybe that's the nines yeah. from what no, I understand
0: types. Yes. Fores yeah. Types they're
1: more nines. with, yeah, they, there's more of that protection. They don't want to hurt the other person, but it is equally not as healthy to avoid mm-hmm. talking about the conflict than it is to, you know, run like a bear into conflict <laughs> that, I mean, that's not the healthiest way at times, but the, you have to talk about it as well. And so when I hear the couples who say, well, we never fight, that's a red flag because I'm thinking you don't agree about everything. Mm -hmm. And so one or both of you are stuffing something down that you need to talk about and you don't have to fight when you talk about it, but you do need to talk about what you disagree on so Mm -hmm. that You can feel over time like you're heard and you're not going to build up resentment because they're not doing things you wish they would or you're not getting your way on something like you have to have these conversations. So knowing who you're married to and their Enneagram and how they approach conflict, that's another huge step
0: in being able to handle conflict well. Mm. Oh my gosh, you are so right. Because those who process with reactivity, which I know four is listening who are with rolling types, but they still do become reactive. Sometimes they go into contemplation, but sometimes they do want to address it, um, are going to be different from there's three types that are logical. And then mm-hmm. there's another three types who try to stay everything's positive, everything's okay. And so within these different frameworks, it's helpful for people to be able to say to their spouse or about their spouse, because as you know, the narratives we tell ourselves about our people are, that is just marriage research tells us how important that is to be able to say, Mm -hmm. wow, my spouse is logical or positive. And I just saw them head into conflict with me. I really appreciate that. Or my spouse is Mm -hmm. reactive and I watch them let it go after 10 minutes. Like these little things not Mm -hmm. only need to be felt some gratitude over, but we also need to out out loud verbally celebrate that with our spouses. When we, um, see that so that we can positively reinforce, I saw you do that. Thank you. And that takes a lot of courage because sometimes you're just like, I just want to leave it there. I don't want to say anything, but I just want to remind everybody when you see your spouse do something to turn Mm -hmm. towards you and conflict that you needed, like that Mm -hmm. day when you were upset and you said, I need to have you sit with me for 30 minutes. That's hard sometimes for not just a male, but anybody who's got some heightened emotions and for him to even try to come sit with you for five minutes to reward that makes people feel so seen, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love every single thing you just said. Oh my gosh. You too. I'm so grateful because you're really like helping us. I am one of the positive types. So mm. <laughs> I put the romance month before this, I put the self-care month <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we have to do this. So this is, conflict. <laughs> yeah. And I like actually working with conflict with couples. That's my wheelhouse. So mm. when you say this, you give us hope and you're reminding us about that. What do you think about the couples who are more on that positive side though, for the ones that are withdrawing, we're, we're reminding them and they have to face it for the ones who are aggressive and assertive they're going to face it a little bit differently and better. And in fact, you're married to an eight eights love that their spouse comes in and deals with it. So I love that about you guys. Uh, mm-hmm. But what about those who are just like, everything's great. I'm so happy. And they're just kind of letting it all, not just totally withdrawal, but they're just ignoring it totally in a different way. Mm. Yeah. You know,
1: That's a great question. And no one's ever asked me that way before, but in
0: processing it out loud now yeah, with you. Yeah. Yes. I, Cause that's I, what we're both doing. I'm doing the same. We're just, we're coming up with, this is our work, right?
1: Yeah, that is.
0: So on the flip
1: side of that, like the negative, the person who's more negative, which is what a five.
0: Um. Well, fives are very logical processors. Sixes tend to forecast gloom. Um, so yeah. yeah, maybe between the five and the six, maybe. Yeah. Like So that person
1: may be more likely to to be thinking about this is going to cause conflict or like if we don't address this, here's how it's going to negatively affect us. And so in some ways that's a benefit because that person is probably more likely to share what they're going through. Um, the yeah. negative of that is you also don't want to overbear the other person by always focusing on the negative and they're always being a kind of conflict. Mm-hmm. So this is it, the reframing, because there's always got to be a compromise. So even for that positive person, who may just be wanting to say everything's fine everything's good. Mm-hmm. Well, let's reframe it and say it's not that we're just trying to look for the bad or like stir up drama, yeah. but ask yourself where could there be more compromise? Where could we find a better solution to something that maybe isn't going as well as it could right now, but if we were to talk about it and try and come to terms with with that compromise so that both of us are getting more of what we want, then it would be even better. So maybe even the reframing of it helps to address it,
0: which I love you saying, because those in the positivity group, we love reframing and mm-hmm. it really works for us. Cause we're like, life is hard. I have found success through life through reframing. Some of us claim Philippians four, eight, I'm like, mm-hmm. think on good things, you know, yep. but then at the end of the day, uh, it's the six troubleshooters. I heard Dave Ramsey once say, if he didn't have sixes on his team, his whole organization would have gone down and he's an eight. Mm-hmm. And so it was really helpful for you to just say that for us all to rem- remember, whether we have this inner brooding four or six, or our spouse is one of these types. Um, it's important to allow that in as well so that the reframing can take on a new dynamic of mm. yes, we can reframe it, but we need to reframe it, not just positively, but practically. Is that what you would Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. 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 I would. And another thing I would say is another reason it's helpful to understand the way your spouse is wired is because then when you are having these conversations about conflict or trying to compromise, then you can remember, like, if I'm going to be talking to someone who's more of that positive person, then I can frame what I'm saying to them in a way that they are better able to hear it. So saying, Hey, I'm not, maybe even starting it with, I'm not mad at you. And this isn't the worst thing in the world we're about to talk about, but I do want us to see how we can, we can work together to find a solution on this. Whereas if you're going to be talking to, I don't know which to but definitely my husband, if I started it that way, he's gonna be like, what's the point? Like, where are you (laughs) headed? Just tell me what you need to talk about. So with him, I know I need to approach it. On emotionally if right. I can and yeah. just
0: say, here's what we need to do. Right. Yeah, exactly. Four and eight, but for a seven um, or anybody, a two, a nine, mm. we kind of like what you just did there with the whole, okay, I'm not mad at you. But what I would feel as a seven there too, is you've got to compromise here because I already have a reason why I'm in my zone. So tell me, you're going to make me feel safe within this mm. moment. Um, mm-hmm. because what I don't want, and I think a lot of people don't want um is somebody to say, I'm not mad at you, but I just need you to do exactly what I'm saying. And that feels mm-hmm. like controlling. like I'm not mad yeah. at you at all. Just do everything I just said and you're fine. And it's like, well, I would almost rather you be mad at me <laughs> then, right, So now I, I have no say right? My voice is gone. and i I feel like as a woman, that's something that, there's just been, I mean, we just got our voting rights in like 1919 out of thousands of years. So it's so important to allow both parties to have a voice, but I really yes. like if they can frame it. And you did mention it earlier. You said when we're solving conflicts, some of them are going to be unsolvable, which was mm-hmm. important for people to remember. And, and there, mm-hmm. there are miracles as one couple reminded me years ago when we talked this through. Um, but also some of them are going to need compromise. So is that what yeah. you would say we might do right in that moment? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. That's good. That's good stuff. Wow. Well, this has been amazing. I love your take. I love your direct style of dealing with conflict. Where can couples and individuals get in touch with you? Because you are dealing with couples in crisis. You're not, you are here for issue prevention, but you're also here for couples who are in the thick of it. So, where wow. can we reach out? Absolutely.
1: You can find more of what we do in our articles, free resources. We even have a free mini course on how to get your spouse to fall back in love with you. So you can get all of that at marriagehelper.com. We also have podcasts that talk more about the issues that marriages face, um, affairs, sexual issues, more about conflict, things like that, relationship radio. And then that's the name of the podcast. And then I have a podcast called It Starts With Attraction that talks about those pies that I talked about earlier, the physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual parts of attraction. Mm -hmm. And I specifically talk about one of those areas in different ways every week. So we have a couple of ways to get involved.
0: Oh, thank you. I have already enjoyed listening to you on podcasts. And I've also really enjoyed today. Anyone who knows a three in the heart of a three knows they do such high quality work. So please follow Kimberly. She has life-giving tips for you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Krista. I loved being here with you. Me too. Thank you. Hey, I am so grateful you made it through that trek with us. I am always proud of you when you finish what you started and you did a great job to listen, to get tools, to be able to step in, lean in with more grace. Know that even as helpers, even as marriage helper Kimberly has so much going on and is a world leader in marriage studies, she's also admitting nobody is perfect here. We're doing our work, but we're changing the storyline from being one of kind of just flailing or waiting or barely surviving to, we can do this, we can thrive, and we can breathe. And if any of you who are threes are listening, Double encouragement or spouses of threes to remind you that you too can find new routes. It's not going to be that you only have a few options. You have more options the healthier you are. So, good word for all of us. Please continue to check everything out with Kimberly as well as Marriage Helper. And then make sure you also grab a hold of their podcasts. They're awesome. I've been loving following them. And then one more thing, do not forget the wonderful times we're having as we dive deep into every single Enneagram type. This has been such a fun Wednesday series, so catch us on Wednesday. We will have a good time with you and I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as enneagramandmarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.